ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad you've tuned in. My name is Anis Wamboye, and today we're continuing with our series on Your Sin Will Find You Out. We looked at this theme coming from, um, we rather derived this theme from the book of Numbers, chapter 32, verse 23, where Moses um, gave the children of Israel, at least some of them, uh, command to be faithful to the promise that they had made uh, concerning helping their brothers fight the war. And he told them, if you don't do this thing, you'd have sinned against the Lord. And the Lord, and according to, and according to the Lord, um, your sin will find you out. And Moses was telling the children of Israel, do not imagine there's such a thing as inconsequential sin. Do not imagine such a thing. Do not imagine that you and I can be frivolous with sin. Do not imagine that we can play around with sin. Do not imagine that sin is of no effect. Do not have this vain imagination because sin will find you out. And sin will come back to collect. It will come back to have its punishment. It will come back to receive what it has invested. And sin is like a boomerang. One of my favorite preachers used to say that, um, um, Pastor John Corson, I believe he still says that. He says, um, your sin will find you out. He says it's like a boomerang. You throw it away or you throw it into the air. And what does it do? It comes flying back at you and it hits you in the back of your head if you're not looking. <laughs> your sin will find you out. And we are to be cautious because sin is a serious thing. Sin caused the death of the Son of God. Do not imagine sin to be of no consequences. Imagine it had to take the death of the Son of God for sin to be atoned for. Sin is what separated Satan from God when he was Lucifer and he had a high-ranking place as a cherubim in the kingdom of heaven. It was sin, iniquity that was found in his heart that caused him to be cast out. It was also sin that caused Adam and Eve to be cast out of the Garden of Eden. It was sin that drove them away from God's presence. It is sin, according to the word of God in Isaiah 59, verse 2, where the Bible says, but your sins have, but your sins have hidden, his, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Look at that. Our iniquities separate us from God. Our sins hide us from him. We are unable to have communion with God because of sin. It is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, that when a husband sins against his wife by being inconsiderate and treating her badly, it is that sin that prevents a husband's prayers from being answered. Your sin will find you out. Sin is what causes separation from, from between God and man. Today, when we are not walking with the Lord, it's because sin is in our hearts, sin is in our lives. It is sin that will send men and women to hell. It is sin that will make people unrepentant. The sin of pride, the refusal to admit that you are a sinner, the refusal to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. This is sin. And the Bible says your sin will find you out. Now, when we say your sin will find you out, we are not just talking about the consequence of sin um, eternally, because we know that's a guarantee that there is a heaven, there is a hell, that those who reject Jesus Christ for the salvation of sins will perish. And Jesus said, the place where sin will find you out, the worst place possible is, up, is in the kingdom of Hades, Tartarus, hell. And he said, in hell, the fire does not burn out. The worms do not die. In hell, Jesus said, 
there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of torture. When Jesus was giving us the story of Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man was in such agony. He begged for Father Abraham, Abraham rather, to send Lazarus to come and to just put a drop of water on his tongue to ease his suffering. And you realize that the punishment of sin is serious. Why? Because sin is a serious thing. And if sin is a serious thing, then we ought to take it as seriously as God takes it. Today, I want us to look into the life of a man called Reuben. Now, who is Reuben? Reuben's, Reuben has a famous brother. The famous brother is called Joseph. And Reuben and Joseph had a father. His father was called Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And Jacob had four women who played the role of wife in his household. Actually, two are wives, that's Rachel and Leah, and the other two are concubines. And concubines were, in, in, in this particular family, the concubines in this family, Bilhan, Zilpah, were brought for the sole purpose of rearing children and for expanding the family of Jacob. So it's a very dramatic story, to say the truth. You know, uh, Jacob had wanted just one wife. He just wanted to marry Rachel. He ended up with four. Talk about buy one, get three free. You know, he his life was a mess. He was tricked by his uncle Laban. And the Bible says that the sons of Leah, this is from Genesis 35, 22 to 26, 23 to 26. The sons of Leah, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon. So those were the sons of Leah. Then verse 24 tells us the sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. Then the sons of Rachel's maidservant, Bilhah, Dan and Naphtali. Then the sons of Leah's maidservant, Zilpah, Gad and Asher. And so these were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padanaram. Now, Reuben, the firstborn, did something distasteful. This is what the Bible says. In verse 22, the previous verse, Genesis 35:22, it's a, a very small verse. You could almost skip it, and not much is said about it. But I want us to focus on it because it is it's seemingly inconsequential place in the scriptures that may make us think low of it. But I just want you to see how it blows up in light of our theme. You'll see, we'll find you out. The Bible says, Genesis 35:22. When Israel, and Israel is another name for Jacob, so when Jacob was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah, and Israel heard of it. And that's all that he said about that. So it's interesting that uh, the, <laughs> the four wives of Jacob are not respected by his son, his firstborn son, Reuben. Reuben was born to Leah, and Reuben goes ahead and gets one of the maidservants, one of the concubines, that is Bilhah, and he sleeps with her. Can you imagine? He has sex with her. Now, that is immoral. Not only is it immoral, it is incestuous because uh, Bilhah... <laughs> Bilha has got children who are brothers to Reuben. And I don't know if Bilha uh, consented to this. I think she did. I think it was a clandestine, incestuous affair. But Dan and Naphtali are the children of Bilha. And these are the 
brothers to Reuben. So what Reuben in effect has done, he's in effect slept with his mother. And perhaps Reuben doesn't think of it as a big deal because Bilha is a servant, the maid servant. So it could almost be the equivalent of sleeping perhaps with a house help. But this is not just a house help. This is a house help who has the status of wife. This is one who is regarded as a wife because she's bearing children to the family. And she sleeps with Reuben's father, that is Jacob. Nubia has told that Jacob heard of it. So Reuben defiles his father's bed, sleeps with the concubine. And uh, <laughs> we know that from what we know about sexual sin, Reuben must have been lasting after Bilha for a while. He did not just wake up one day and decide to go and sleep with her. And from the way the story is written, it seems as if Reuben is the one who initiated the sex. It's not Bilha. It seems as if Reuben was the one who pursued Bilha, went after her. And he must have been lasting after her for a very long time. And the Bible says that he slept with her. And we know it's a slow fade with lust. And when lust strikes, it's merely a manifestation of a sinful thought that had been practiced a long time ago. So Reuben did this with Bilha. And when you read the scriptures, it seems as if he gets away with it. We are not told of Jacob's immediate reaction. We're just told that he heard of it. And he must have been feeling betrayed. I don't know if he ever slept with Bilha again. He must have thought, how can I sleep with a woman who has slept with my son, my eldest son? So several years go by, and it seems as if Reuben gets away scot-free. Time has elapsed. The sons of Israel have sold Joseph into Israel, into Egypt, rather, out of envy. Uh, years have gone by. Joseph is sold into Egypt. And by the way, remember, when Joseph was sold into Egypt, it is Reuben who stood up for Joseph. And as time goes by, Joseph becomes prime minister. He marries an Egyptian lady called Asenath. They've got two sons. Joseph helps save the world from a grand famine. And when Joseph's family is coerced to look for food, they are directed to go to Egypt. And when they go to Egypt, it is to their shock that they find that their brother is actually the kingpin. <laughs> so... There's a dramatic family reunion with a lot of crying from Joseph, a lot of tests, a lot of emotional upheavals, and eventually reconciliation happens and the family comes to live in Egypt. Jacob is now an old man. He lives the sunset years of his life in Egypt. He's happy. He's been reunited to his son. And remember, Jacob's favorite wife, that is Rachel, has died. So in fact, when Jacob stood before Pharaoh, Jacob said that his life has been full of trouble. It's been difficult and long. So you can imagine how his life is having a wonderful, happy ending. All his family is together. His son is back. His son is not dead. Uh, he feels reconnected. He almost as if Leah has come back to life. Not Leah, Rachel has come back to life. And it's an, it's an amazing time. Now, the time comes when Jacob is about to die. And Jacob has received a blessing from his father Isaac. This blessing came from his grandfather Abraham, and that blessing came directly from God. And this is a blessing that is going to turn the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob into a whole nation called Israel. It's a blessing that will bring the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful blessing that God is going to use to bring from one family a whole nation. And so Jacob knows when he dies, just like it was passed on to him by his father Isaac, and just like Isaac received it from Abraham, 
what ought he to do? Um, he ought to go ahead and pass it on to his sons. And not just any sons, just one son. Because remember, uh, Isaac had Jacob and Esau, but he could only pass it to Jacob. Well, Jacob tricked him, but God sovereignly used it to because that's how the Lord had wanted it. So now, who is meant to get the blessing? The blessing always came on the firstborn. The time when Jacob received the blessing, it was an exception to the rule because his mother, Rebecca, had twins and the Lord would have it that the younger would be blessed and be greater than the older. So Jacob's about to die. And what does he do? As what most old men do when they're about to die, he calls his sons and he begins to bless them. And if you need, if you understand the culture of the Jews, the firstborn would often get, would traditionally get 50% of all the blessings. So if there was wealth, he'd get 50% of the wealth. He would get 50% of the property. He would get majority control over the homestead. He would be the big kahuna, the fish, the big fish, you know. And then the remaining property would be divided amongst the rest of the sons. So you can already imagine how Jacob, how Reuben must have been feeling. You know, dad's about to die. I'm the firstborn. I'm the one, you know. I'm the one to get the blessing. You know, he's going to get the lion's share, right? And so Jacob calls Reuben in on his deathbed and he says, Reuben, listen to what your old man has to say. So Genesis 49, 1 to 3, it says, Genesis chapter 49, verse 1 to 3, Jacob called for his sons and said, gather around so that I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. So he's also a prophet. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob, listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first strength, the first end of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power. Just imagine Reuben standing up proud. You can see him just saying, oh yeah, give it to me, daddy. Give me the blessing. Show me the blessing. You know, you can imagine how Reuben must have been feeling just uh, walking up to his dad, you know, cameras, lights, action. Everyone must be looking at him thinking, oh, such a lucky guy, firstborn privileges, you know. And Reuben must be ready with his speech. He must have prepared a preach, an acceptance speech, you know. And he must have been ready for the blessing. But listen to what the Lord says to him. Listen to what, not the Lord, his father rather, says to him. Genesis 49 verse 4, Reuben, turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. For you went onto your father's bed, onto my couch, and you defiled it. Whoa. The tape scratches, guys. You can hear the pin drop silence. Mouths are gaping wide. And I think Dan and Naftali were the most bewildered. They were like, dude, what? You slept with our mom? Reuben must have been so embarrassed. He must have looked around thinking, okay, this is awkward. <laughs> After all those years, he did this in Genesis 35. This is now Genesis 49. And I think if you try and calculate the timeline, you may find that about 14 years have passed by. So you can imagine this, 14 years later, what he did 14 years ago, that seemed inconsequential. Huh? Guys, he lost his blessing. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Guys, the Bible says in Numbers 32, 23, your sin will always find you out. Please understand that last gives private tours, but it also gives public headlines. 
those people who you think got away with it, there is no such thing as getting away with it. Remember, sin is a boomerang. You throw it and it comes back to hit you. So Reuben got nothing else. Jacob was done. Jacob was done and he said, next. So who got Reuben's blessings? Who got the privileges? I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Listen to what it says. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 Chronicles, not Corinthians. What am I saying? 1 Chronicles, not Corinthians. 1 Chronicles, chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Chronicles in the New Testament. It says, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, he was the firstborn, but when he defiled his father's marriage bed, his rights as firstborn were given to the sons of Joseph, son of Israel. So he could not be listed in the genealogical record in accordance with his birthright. And though Judah was the strongest of his brothers and the ruler came from him, the rights of the firstborn belonged to Joseph. Guys, Joseph, the underdog, got the blessing. This is the kid that they hated. This is the guy that they sold into slavery. Even in Jeremiah 31 verse 9, this is what the Lord says concerning the sons of Joseph, because the sons of Joseph were Ephraim and Manasseh. He says, they will come with weeping, and they will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Even God acknowledges Ephraim as his firstborn son. Ephraim. He does not recognize Reuben. Ephraim was Joseph's son. Reuben was discredited. So I want you to understand that some of Reuben's brothers also did some bad things too. Eh? Reuben is not the only one. He's not like <laughs> the worst of them. I mean, Simeon and Levi slaughtered Shechemites in revenge of their sister Dina, who was raped. Judah slept with a prostitute and found out she was his daughter-in-law. But if you look at what Judah did, Judah repented. Simeon and Levi, um, whatever they did, they did it from a place of, of course, they were motivated by, they, they were, what they did was evil, but there was a motivation that was coming from a place of purity. And guys, Reuben did not repent. His brothers made mistakes, but his brothers seemed to be repentant and humble. In fact, Judah repented, and when Judah repented, Judah received part of the messianic blessing. That's why Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Can you believe it? Reuben missed out on that. It could have been the lion of the tribe of Reuben. Who knew that one carnal moment 14 years ago, one sexual encounter 14 years ago would have a tremendous impact on destiny? Guys, please understand that Reuben, despite his goodness, Reuben is the one who stood up for Joseph. Despite his goodness, Reuben missed out on this destiny. Despite all the good deeds, and you realize that our good deeds cannot cover our sins. Our good deeds don't cancel out our sins. It is Reuben who stood up for Joseph and wanted to kill him. Don't hand over your destiny to the enemy. Now, before Moses died, he blessed the tribe of Reuben because they were suffering from the curse of their father. And in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 6, Moses said, let Reuben live and not die, nor his men be few. You see, Reuben's descendants suffered too. Your sin does not only affect you, it also affects your descendants. It's got a generational impact. 
May we be sorry for our sin, not just sorry that you are caught. May we have godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow. Friends, I don't know what kind of sin you're flirting with. You may think no one is watching you. You may think you'll escape. You may think you have outwitted the Lord. You may think you have outwitted yourself. Please don't take the path of Reuben. Humble yourself. Walk in obedience. Trust in the Lord. Take the path of righteousness. The path of immaturity is futile, but the path of maturity is narrow. Few men find it. May God help us to honor him, understanding that our sin will find us out. Let us trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Let us acknowledge him. Because friends, our sin will take you farther. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you wish to stay and it will make you spend more than you're willing to pay. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free. I'm asking that, Lord, you may enable us to be cautious, vigilant, knowing that your word in Numbers 32.23 says, if we do fail to do this, we'll be sinning against the Lord, and we can be sure that our sin will find us out. Help us be vigilant. Help us be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center podcast on the Edify Podcast Network. And for more great podcasts that will build you and edify you, please head over to www.edify.app, that is E-D-I-F-I.app. And you could also search for the Edify app on the Google or the Apple Play Store. We'll see you next time. Yeah.